Welcome to Creative Art to Heart Podcast. My name is Jean Amora Moran, an intervention and transformation life coach, multi-passionate visual artist, and a friend to many. This podcast is not just about creating beautiful pieces of art. It's also about helping you design a well-balanced, fulfilled life. It's about living every moment fully, manifesting, healing your inner self, and using your intuition to make sound decisions and let your creative juices flow. At the end, who you would want to be remembered? Someone who struggled through life or someone who lived fully? You are not a victim of circumstances. Circumstances are a part of you. So, I invite you to join me in designing and creating a life that is worth living. All right, Joe, we're live. Woo! Woo! Hi everyone. This is Joe Templin and he will introduce himself to us. You were in the army, right, Joe? I was not. I did oh. intel through a uh, multiple letter organization, we'll just say. Oh, okay, okay. I misunderstood. So, see? That's why I'm going to let you introduce yourself. <laughs> so, I'm a human Kaizen expert. And human Kaizen is derived from the Japanese concept of Kaizen, which was applied to engineering in the 1970s, 80s, and 90s, really, where it is the idea of continuous improvement. And we applied this to manufacturing, we applied this to business, but it is only recently that we've realized that we should be applying this to the most important resource out there, the human resource, ourselves. So I'm a human Kaizen expert. I'm also a walking human Swiss Army knife. I've got backgrounds in applied physics, martial arts, intelligence, uh, financial planning, economics, psychiatry, psychology. Um, I'm also an ultra runner, former uh, world champion in martial arts. And I'm a special needs father. Wow. One of the I most have some experience with martial arts, but not. <laughs> I only went up to brown belt. <laughs> it's like anything else. With enough consistent, focused effort over an extended period, you can become excellent. In fact, that's the reason why I have this cool nonlinear growth curve on the front of the book. Because I don't care if it's martial arts, learning an instrument, learning a language, improving your communication skills, podcasting, all of it. If you put forth consistent effort and listen to the proper feedback, no matter whatever mechanism that's coming through, you can become very good and eventually excellent in essentially anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I, it's funny you mentioned about learn, learning a language. Uh, English is my second language. My, my uh, native language is Tagalog and other dialects in the Philippines. And I'm also learning Spanish now, so, yeah. And one of the things about learning languages is like learning any other skill. If you learn one, then learning a related one is 
easier because you've not only got now some knowledge in that other space, but we learn to get better at getting better over time. And yeah. so once you have the fundamentals of Philippine, you know, or English, then going to Spanish because it's also a romance language, even though English is among the worst of the um, romance languages, it's a little bit easier. And then if you want to pick up Italian or French, that would be easier still because you have this background. So for example, I'm trying to learn um, uh, Romanian and because I have a background in French, it's a little bit easier than if that was my second language that I was trying to pick up. And so being able to have knowledge and discipline within one space that you can bring over to others. So for example, the discipline of martial arts and the body awareness then allows you to be able to do other sports a little bit easier. The knowledge of how to do uh, basic mathematics will help you then in science, uh, which then you can turn around and you can apply that to cooking, you know, and then you can apply that maybe into baking. And then, you know, if you have artistic ability, you know, cake decorating, I can't, but you know, <laughs> you obviously have the artistic ability based on the things hanging on your wall. But it's one of those things that even over time, I could learn to paint like that, but I could do better than my kindergartners do. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. I love it. Yeah, so, the sun is hitting it, so. <laughs> if I spent enough time, if I was willing to make the sacrifice, I could be, you know, a passable artist. But if you combine that hard work over an extended period of time with natural talent and passion, that's where you can become truly excellent. And so in the United States, roughly 75% of Americans hate their jobs, actually. You realize that? Yeah, I, I noticed that. It's like people are actually crying at work and because they get frustrated. Here's the thing, go get another job. And I'm not being you know completely sarcastic about that, but polish up your LinkedIn uh, profile and your resume. Start building more contacts. You know, if you want to go into another area, start building some skills in it. With the internet, you can learn anything. And so over a couple of year period, you can move from this job that you hate into something else that you actually you have passion for. And even if it takes a couple of years, you can still be in that better place. And by having a plan and working towards something, you're going to be in a much better mood overall. You're going to be more competent. You're going to look at your current situation and see what you can take from that, those pearls of excellence as I talk about, that you can then use to help position you for that next job. And so don't just sit there crying, boo-hoo, I hate this, my life sucks. <laughs> you know, say, all right, this is not good. I want to be over here and figure out a plan to get there. This is the whole idea behind the Stockdale paradox. Have, have clarity of what you really want and you, you love doing. Exactly. It's rewarding and if you love what you do. Take the little steps moving towards it. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, a lot of people just say, oh, I can never do that. And they throw up their hands and give up. Or they're like, oh, you know, I can't get there because I have this obstacle or that obstacle. You know what? Any obstacle can be overcome with enough belief enough time. As Nietzsche says, he who has a strong enough why can overcome almost any how. If you want that thing, whether it's to succeed in business or get your college degree 
or to have your special needs kid actually be mainstreamed and grow up and be able to be functional in society. It's going to take work, but if you want it bad enough and are willing to make the little sacrifices along the way, you can achieve it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe that. So excellence, not perfection. Exactly, because life is never going to be perfect. It's life for a reason, but it can be definitely better than where you are now. And it all comes down to our little decisions. Zeno Saitiam, the founder of Stoicism, said that uh, well-being is no small thing, but it's made up of small steps. It's the little decisions that we make all the time. Am I going to eat the donut or am I going to eat the apple? I love donuts, so that's why I'm that. <laughs> you know, am I going to sit on the couch and watch TV for an hour and eat junk food? Or am I going to go for a 10, 15 minute walk and then crack the books? Okay? Yeah. There are choices. And I, we... I, I indulge myself in eating donut or sometimes I would just being lazy and watch TV, but I call it strategic laziness because I know I needed a break from what I'm doing. That way I wouldn't hate what I was doing. So yeah, I would and he, here's the question. Break. Did you earn it? Did you do the work to deserve it? So I have a um, philosophy and I'm an ultra runner, so I run very long distances. If I run 10 miles in a day, I can eat whatever I want. That's my unwritten rule. So, I, but if I, I don't, I can't. And so I, had, I went on a business trip a couple of weeks ago and it was horrible. I mean, my initial flight got, uh, I was delayed by a day and a half oh. getting to this conference. I ended up missing my talk, missing uh, the meeting with the CEO that was supposed to happen, all that sort of stuff. So I get back and I'm telling my buddy about just the absolute nightmare of this trip was. Every single component, down to the hotels and my reservation, you know, having a flat tire when I got back at two o'clock in the morning, you know, literally everything. It was a comedy of errors. You just had to laugh. By yeah, the yeah. End of this whole thing. That's all you so can horrible. do. <laughs> and my buddy's like, dude, you deserve a beer. I'm like, I deserve one, but I'm not going to have one because I didn't earn it. Uh-huh. Now, my next business trip, when you know, where I had a whole bunch of things go wrong, flight delays and all, all these other things, but it ended up being successful because I was able to get to the means and do what I needed to do and all that, I did have my beer because I earned it at that point. So it's this little uh, bit of discipline of saying, no, I'm not going to do this because I haven't earned the right to have it. You know, um, like Matthew McConaughey in his book Greenlights talks about earn your Saturday night. If you bust your butt, then having that little reward is okay. But if you don't, in your own mind, earn it and deserve it, then it doesn't taste as good, one. And two, you're probably like maybe going to be in the wrong calorie position because you didn't sweat and bust your butt all day. And so you're actually calorie positive as opposed to calorie negative, which means you're going to get fit weight. You're feeling guilty. Yeah, and you feel (laughs) guilty versus you're like, "Ah, I I earned this one. Yeah. If I do have donuts, I enjoy it fully because I'm like, plus I hike, I hike. When I hike, I hike a long distance. (laughs) Yeah, and so you burn it up and you earn it. So, like, I'm very good with my diet 90 plus percent of them. But the one thing that I do is because I love donuts so much, I save them for my once a month cheat day. I do do the same thing. I don't do it often, just 
just once a month or twice a month. And, when, and if you're being really good about it, that reward, one, tastes much better. Two, you get the anticipation of looking forward to it. Three, if you overdo it that day, you don't want to look at donuts <laughs> you get for a headache. while. I know but, if I do more than one, I get a headache. Like, oh, so <laughs> on my cheat day, uh, one of them fell on National Donut Day. So all I had that day was donuts and coffee. So I had 10 Boston cream donuts there. <laughs> Even my kids are like, they're insane. But because I had done all my running and done my uh, martial arts training and had controlled my diet properly and everything for that week, I still lost a half a pound. So I had all the fun, all the donuts, and I felt zero guilt about it because I had earned it. But I still ended up accomplishing the goals. So this is one of the things, letting off a little bit of steam uh, is a good thing. So, like, I have teenage son. I have no problem with them playing video games for a little bit every single day. I have a problem if they play video games instead of doing their chores. And this is what it comes down to. If you're doing the right things, the things that you're supposed to, then relaxing and enjoying afterwards is completely acceptable. In fact, endorsed. It's part of the mental health. It's part of the reward system. But if you're doing that as an avoidance technique, if you're doing that instead of doing what you're supposed to, that's where you get behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I, I know when I need a, a break, especially like when my creativity is just slow, that's when I gonna, okay, take a break. I go kayaking, do something that is like, I. I also love doing or doing gardening yep. and then while doing that I come up with more more creative creative things to do and <laughs> like oh yeah I gotta do this <laughs> and, and you actually had something really important there, because those of us who work very heavily in one space whether it's you're using your brain as a white-collar professional as a writer as an attorney as a, a, an advisor or if you're out there doing manual labor and doing construction and busting your butt or working on the farm. What you need to do is you need to do the opposite in terms of your relaxation. So if you're sitting on your butt all day long, sitting in an office, being a code monkey or whatever, you need to get up and get moving and and go hike and do physical activity. Because even though it's very stressful and draining, it's draining in a different way. And so you're replenishing your mental reserves and you're letting your eyes rest. And so you're recovering by doing something completely different. If you're doing manual labor and swinging an ax all day long, then you sit there and you play violin or uh, read philosophy or something like that, or you're studying advanced calculus because you want to get a degree, that is very intense, but it's a different sort of intensity and so they counterbalance. So that's one of the reasons why you know, I do martial arts, I run ultra long distances. And people are like, how do you do that? Well, I work 15 hour days when wow. I'm working and it's sitting on my butt, a lot of it. It is talking, it is thinking, it is writing, it is very intellectually intense. So doing something very intense of a completely different type recharges me and you can go back and forth between them and that's actually one of the ways that you achieve 
the better balance overall in your life is being as passionate about what you do for your relaxation mm-hmm. as what you do for your work. Your work. Yeah. And the balance is very important. No. And it's the consistency. So a half hour every single day of activity that gets your heart rate up and makes you sweat actually is where you start clicking off what is called telomeric healing. So the telomeres are part of your genetic makeup and they end up shortening and basically breaking, which uh, reduces your life and leads to cancer and a lot of other things if you are not stressing your body. And the magic number is 30 minutes a day Mm -hmm. of sweat inducing activity. But if you do that, it also helps promote really good mental health. It helps uh, stave off Alzheimer's long range because of the blood flow through the brain. So you've got all these other benefits. So if you get up and you you go for a nice long walk every single morning, or you do some calisthenics or yoga or some of these other things, you swim, you bike, Depends where you are because pretty soon it's going to start snowing up here. Uh, So, you know, you do what you can, but if you do it consistently, you're going to reap all these benefits. And what you're doing early now compounds and 20, 30 years from now will completely and totally change your lifestyle. Same thing like the money you set aside now for retirement 20, 30 years from now is worth a ton more the mental investments, the physical investments you make today. If you continuously do it, doesn't have to be a large amount, you just have to do it on a regular basis, leads to a very different result. So one of my sayings is that to be excellent, you have to be consistent. Consistent. I'm still working on that, Joe. I actually wrote a book that became number one bestseller on um, Amazon when I released it. And there were times that I was like, I had I had a, a deadline I was supposed to get it done. And I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. I, I don't want to type right now. So I go cross country skiing because it was in the winter. And then sometimes I just get my hula hoop weighted one yeah. and I do it here in the house and just to get my blood moving or jump just keep jumping until i i wake myself up and then then i one it's it gets the blood going so your muscles are ready to go and all that but exercise literally will light up the entire brain if you look at an eeg an electroencephalogram a brain scan essentially of somebody who's been sitting for a couple of hours, so it doesn't matter if you're doing intellectually intense stuff like writing, or if you're just dorking out watching TV or whatever. If you're sitting there for a couple hours, the brain, for the most part, turns off. It's very dark in terms of the activation. You listen to music for five minutes, or if you do about five to 10 minutes of physical activity, so a quick walk around, jumping up and down, hula hoop like you talked about, and then you do that brain scan again, the whole thing's lit up. So this is one of the big productivity tools is that like, for example, as soon as we're done with our podcast, I'm going to go for a run and then I'm going to write for a couple hours. Yeah, and I'm so, going to I'm gonna do that too. Take my dog for a walk. <laughs> see? You know, so if you have a long meeting, what should you do immediately afterwards? Go outside and walk around. 
reset your brain, reset your body, and then you can come on back and your productivity is going to jump tremendously. So instead of taking a smoke break, break take a walk break. You take five five-minute walk breaks throughout your business day. The amount of actual work you're going to complete is greater than if you sat there and tried working the entire day. It's yeah. A huge difference. Instead of just keep pushing it. So yeah, because you're reaching diminishing returns. So you're working harder and harder and accomplishing less and less versus stand up, walk around, you know, do a couple of jumping jacks or whatever, listen to your favorite song, you know, get your blood pumping, come on back and you're gonna be 15, 20% more effective for the next hour afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I even have a jump rope here. <laughs> In the winter when I can't just go out and it's like, especially when it's like storming uh, so no. i i just do the indoor thing so you know uh, people used to laugh at me because somebody would like open my office door and i'd be there doing push-ups between meetings and it's just that little thing but again as you know Saitian said it's the little things that add up to the big difference and so this comes down to Uh, something very important that's fundamental to my belief system and, and is one of the underlying themes of the book is that every single day we make as people somewhere around 10,000 micro decisions, little tiny choices. And as Colossus tells Deadpool in the movie, I'm not going to apologize, it's just who I am, <laughs> four or five moments four or five moments to determine if you're a hero or a villain. It's those four or five micro choices every single day that determine if it's a good day or not, whether the day is trending upward or trending down. So how can we make those couple of better choices overall? And a lot of it is environmental because the average human makes between 75 or 50,000 and 80,000, has between 50,000 and 80,000 thoughts every day. And 75% of them are repetitive. So by doing things that change the stimulus around you, you can change those thought patterns. For example, I have uh, clients that I've worked with who had PTSD. And so they would very often have uh, depressive episodes and they'd sit in the same chair looking at the same thing on their wall. And I'm like, dude, we're burning that chair. And literally, we burnt the chair so that stimulus was removed. So it forced a different set of behavior patterns. While I'm working with a coaching client in business, the first thing that I make them do when we start is they have to go and rearrange their office. Even if they face their desk in a different direction and move the artwork around, the visual stimulation is different. So therefore, the, the thought patterns are different. The old standard of if you want to stop eating junk food, don't bring it in the house. Mm-hmm. This is the reason why my friends who have gone through rehab for alcohol, you take all the alcohol. Yeah. And anything that reinforces alcoholic thoughts. So like my buddy had some really cool artwork that was uh, like uh, 1930s, 40s type inspired with martini glasses and all that. Sorry, mm-hmm. dude, you're losing this. <laughs> Because it creates that stimulus pattern. So by changing those things up, by changing the environment, 
we can then change some of those thoughts mm-hmm. and be a little bit more cognizant of what we're doing and be able to make a couple more better decisions. A couple more better decisions every single day leads to a better week, leads to a better month, leads to a better year in life. Yeah, it's just increment that you're doing that changes. Exactly. And it's that momentum because um, one of the great things around this feedback loop, so you see I I have a fit. And so, (laughs) hey, we can be Fitbit friends. (laughs) Yeah, me too. So my daily threshold is 16,000 steps. Notice I say threshold as opposed to goal. And this is a big difference um, that I try and instill in people in the business world. Your goal is not to do $20,000 in production this month. That is your minimum threshold, Mm -hmm. okay? That is the level that if you don't accomplish this level, you're not going to eat. You're not going to be able to pay your bills, things like that. So the minimal threshold is the first thing that you need to be aware of. And then you have this goal where it's like, okay, I'm past what I need. I'm in the bonus round. I'm making extra money. How far can I take this? What, how great can I be? So on my uh, Fitbit, my minimum threshold is 16,000 steps. Oh, you have 6,000? Six, 6, I, I do 10,000. 10, no, 16,000. <laughs> 16,000, which is roughly seven and a half miles. Yeah, I mine is 10,000. Okay. Like every and day. I'm at 105 days in a row. When I was traveling two weeks ago, I told you about that really you know, messed up trip. I was at like 14,000 when I arrived at 1030 at night uh-huh. to my destination. I was exhausted. And I could have easily climbed in bed. I could have easily gone down to the restaurant and, you know, grabbed a beer and a burger. What did I do? I put on my sneakers and I walked the extra 1,500 steps because that's what I do, right? And that's the reason why I now have a 100 plus day streak as opposed to having to reset it. So right now I am at 12,000 and change. And so when we get done, I'll go run my three or four miles and push myself well over that for the day. And then tomorrow, it's another day. And as they talk about in Alcoholics Anonymous, what's the most important day in the world? What's the most important? What is the most important day in your life? The now, today. Today, that's right. You make the right choices today. Doesn't matter if I fell off the wagon yesterday. Doesn't matter if I didn't work out like I wanted to yesterday. Doesn't matter if I had an argument with my significant other yesterday. Doesn't matter if I didn't do what I was supposed to do in my business yesterday. You know what? I can't worry about tomorrow. If I've laid the groundwork, I'll worry about that tomorrow. I worry about what can I do today? Have I accomplished what I need to do? And so one of the things that I do every single day is I use a business, uh, an index card. And I have a saying, are you like my long lost sister? <laughs> so every single morning, because I have a saying, one minute of work prevents an hour, or one minute of uh, planning prevents an hour of work. <coughs> I'll sit down, I'll open up my computer, I'll take a look at the day, and in the next couple of days, I'll write down the four or five most important things that I need to do that day to accomplish my mission. Yeah, I, do my cross even, I have notes in my pocket earlier. <laughs> I have notes everywhere. There's some, 
here's um, this is something I picked up from my mom. I mean, I read books with a, a, a carton, but as I go through and take care of things that I need to do, I cross them off, and then when they're all done, I go David Letterman, I throw it in the garbage. And if I can get through that entire card by noon, then okay. I can sit down, reevaluate the rest of my day in the next few days, write down the next handful of most important things, and then work on that. So I'm on the second order of importance. But also, I'm in the bonus round at that Emotionally, mentally, production-wise, because I've already done everything that I'm supposed to. So now it's just all great. Yeah, and yeah. when you're operating from that mindset in that position, you're more relaxed, you're more productive, you're in a position of flow. So when I was writing the book, every single morning I had to sit down and I had to write two days of the book. The book covers all 366 days of the year. So is your book available on like paperback and also digital? Yes. So um, digital, the best place to get is from Amazon because it's on sale right now. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can get it on Kindle there. Uh, you can get hardcover, you can get softcover. You can also get it through any other place that books are sold. You might have to request it like Barnes & Noble or whatever. You can also get it through my website, which is everydayexcellence.com. And I actually recommend people go to my website no matter what, because every single day I put up a new microblog. So that's additional free information for people. The podcasts live on up there. Um, there's uh, other resources. There's discussion. We're building out a community. There's links to the YouTube channel. So all these other free resources, because I have a goal over the next 12 months of reaching 100 million people mm -hmm. and helping them be just a little bit better through what I do, whether it's stuff like this, radio interviews, writing articles, speeches, that I'm actually buying and reading the book, what have you. And if we can accomplish this, what's that gonna do overall for society if we have 100 million people who make slightly better choices, who have a slightly better perspective on life, who are bending their curve upward just a little bit. Mm -hmm. If we can accomplish that, that's actually something palpable and measurable for the economy. Yeah, that would be a really big change. Like, mm -hmm. I can just see that. <laughs> right and now, it's like a lot of people are just not making good choices and <laughs> just stop. Yeah, and if we can get that, those hundred million people to make one better choice again, not a big deal, one better choice. That's a hundred million better choices per day. Mm -hmm. You know what? That's pretty significant in the grand scheme it is it is so joe um what small step but uh would really really make a big difference on people's lives like i know we talk about financial there's a lot of people that just living paycheck to paycheck uh yeah. what is the most important uh, advice or tip you can give to something they can do even though they don't have much so there's actually a whole bunch of things that we can do here uh, my background is i was a financial planner for 50 plus years so the first big thing learn to cook okay i see a lot of these people who are 20 to even 35 closer to 40 years old now who are eating out constantly mm -hmm. because they're like, oh, I don't have time. You know what? You have time to be able to do meal prep at all. Oh, I don't Guess know. Guess what, Joe? 
before I came to America, I learned I want to I enrolled myself in cooking class. Awesome. <laughs> and so I did, I did all the cooking in my house with my boys, and so my teenage sons all know how to cook because that is something that my mom taught us. I'm one of six kids, and I like to eat. So if you like to eat, you need to learn how to cook. Uh, yeah. But I make very healthy food that is very tasty, and there's a huge diversity of it. My parents' best friends were from India. I dated an Italian girl, you know, classic American things. If you invest in a bunch of different spices, yeah, and you learn how to cook, you can eat for pretty low cost. You have this skill that, like, when I was in grad school, I would like cook dinner for various women trying as part of the date, and they actually loved it. They're like, "This is better than going to a restaurant. We're getting a better meal, and you know, we actually get to interact and talk, and you're yeah. making something very specific for me." So mm -hmm. it, there was a higher level of commitment coming from it. It is the sort of thing that's also a lot healthier because yeah. you don't have all of the salt and everything else that is very often um, Do you like So you have a much lower cost and it's healthier. And if you get together with a couple of friends who all learn how to cook and you rotate through, you get the socialization aspect of it also. Yeah. And you can buy spices in bulk so you have lower cost and all this. So you're getting all of these benefits, lower cost, Healthier, healthier socialization and, and and homemade things are made with love too exactly so do you like egg rolls oh i love egg rolls so my best friend I, in the world i bake is, mine so it's not deep fried it's a lot healthier and it's so crunchy it, it, it is my best friend in the world is vietnamese she was born over there came on over when she was about two years old and so this is one of the things that her family always made the rolls. And so I haven't learned how to make them because it was family secret, even though I'm basically adopted to the family. But randomly, she would show on up or she'd come to visit with a big old thing of rolls that she made. And it's like, this is awesome. Well, if you check out my YouTube channel, I have the step-by-step -step how to make the egg rolls there. Oh, and I'm going there. There's I'm fried there. one and there's baked ones. And I love the baked ones. And one. see, this comes back to what we talked about at the start, that if you want to, you can learn anything on the planet, basically, because it's on the earth. Mm -hmm. People like you have this passion that you put this out. So going back to people who hate their job, if they love to cook like this, guess what? You could be cooking like that and just supplement your income by cooking for restaurants, which is what Sian's mom did when they were young. You can create a YouTube channel teaching other people this, and guess what? You're gonna get a ton of followers. You could teach classes in this to uh, local people so that they can learn to do this. And yeah. so you're sharing your knowledge, but you're also making revenue. From it. So there's all these different things that if you're creative with it, you can position yourself much better for the future. And if you enjoy cooking like you do and um, communicating and teaching and stuff like that, you're gonna have so much fun with that. That's going to charge you up. So 
as a side passion project, as a uh, way to relax or to have some fun, that's definitely not a bad way to go, is it? No. It's like, uh, it's like my boyfriend and I, we do, we, he likes to cook too. So it's like a lot of times, like Valentine's Day, we just cook. Exactly. And relax instead of going to the expensive restaurant and then. And everybody like, else is going on out, so they jack the prices. And you yeah, and sometimes attention. they're too salty, too greasy. Yeah. So. And as you said, it's made with love. So the fact that both of you cook, you can do it together and it's a joint activity. In fact, um, a lot of the relationship experts talk about doing things like that, cooking together, joint projects like that to in a further bond together because it's something where you are producing a, an output together that you can both enjoy. And you're there in the process and the consumption thereof. And so the enjoyment factor is so much higher. Yeah, it's a, it's a good bonding time. It's like I planted um, beets, he loves beets. Mm -hmm. I, I was cooking the greens, he, he processed because I like the um, beets lemonade. He made the lemonade and he, so we both yeah. And I guarantee you, while you guys were doing it, you know, he's giving you a little taste and you're giving him a little taste. And so you're getting these micro touches. And, you know, there was probably a little bit of kissing on the shoulder, the cheek going on throughout it. So it's all of those little things, but adds up to this wonderful experience. And that, again, going back to the concept behind everyday excellence, it's the little things that add up to a great experience. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for all your uh, experience and expertise about this that you're sharing with us. And I really would like to read that book and learn more from you. <laughs> Jean, thank you. This has been an awesome opportunity for me to reach out to your people and help them be excellent and grow today. Yeah, so we I will uh, link your your website so uh, whoever wants to get a hold of you and connect with you, they can. So I will link it on the description of the video. Right, and also we've got a Facebook group at EDE with Joe, EDE for Everyday Excellence. So right. if they pop on over there, there's some nice easy resources to check out too. Oh, cool. Hear, hear that guys? So check out Joe Templin and learn from him because this is just really, really good uh, things to learn and to be and hit the excellence, not perfection, but excellence. So, well, have a good run, Joe. I will. Thank you. Enjoy your workout. I will. Thank you, Thank everybody. Thank you so much for uh, coming and sharing with us uh, today.